Hi, I'm Will Roadhouse, and I'm the CEO of Compass Group International, and welcome to another episode of Expat Thailand. So not too long ago, about uh, sometime about a month and a half ago, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, and he was telling me that his workout buddy, uh, which they met at Equinox, which is kind of like a high-end gym, and they live in California, Southern California, and he's like, my buddy just inherited some money. And it's not millions of dollars. It doesn't meet your threshold. Um, but, he, but they got like a half a million dollars after taxes. That's net. I'm like, wow, good for them. And he's like, would you mind if I set up a call? Because I think they're going to do something stupid with it. And I really think that, you know, whether you talk about retirement in Latin America or or in Thailand, wherever it may be, but at least giving them an idea of how they can utilize this money and store it away for a future retirement. I said, sure, not a problem, but just let him know or let them know, the husband and wife, that uh, you know, I am not gonna be their broker because I, 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 don't, you know, I don't work at that, at that price point. The information that I give them, please let them know that I'm going to be straightforward, I'm going to be honest, no holds barred. If I don't feel Thailand's a fit for them, I'm going to tell them that. If I feel like Costa Rica's not a fit for them, I'm going to tell them that. And so let them or prepare them for to be forward and prepare them to be honest about their financial picture and their habits. He's like, he's like, not a problem. He's, he's like, they're totally chill. He's like, they'll answer all your questions. I'm like, okay. So we schedule a call. So it's myself and uh, my buddy hopped on just to make the introduction and then he hopped off. So it was myself and the husband and wife. They are in their late 40s. They live in Southern California. Uh, they live in Riverside County, but they make a commute. They actually work in Irvine. Uh, they both do. Uh, so that's like an hour, an hour and a half drive. I definitely, you know, I, I told him, I said, I could feel your pain because I know exactly what you're going through. Except my commute was from Orange County to LA, <laughs> which was maybe just a little bit worse. So I told them, and again, I said, uh, I'm not sure if, well, let's just call him John. I'm not sure if John told you, I'm asking you to be as honest as you can with me, to tell me as much as you can that you feel comfortable with, with your financial picture. Because the more that I know and understand you, the better I can give you feedback. And then I told him, I said, you know, my, I'm sure John told you that my threshold is a minimum of a million dollars, and obviously you don't meet that. So I'm not gonna be able to recommend a broker or anything like that. You're gonna have to do that homework yourself. But what I'm gonna be able to do is give you an idea of what can you do with this inheritance and give you some scenarios on how you can protect this for a rainy day, which I call Plan Z. I said, okay, so I'm gonna go through all the whole, I mean, this conversation is like two hours long 
and most of my initial conversations with anyone that's looking to move here to Thailand or even back in the days go you know to Costa Rica was always close to two hours and two hours just goes like that I mean so fast because unlike other brokers or agents or consultants they don't ask a lot of questions you know my wife and I were just going through this same exact uh, you know com- we just had the same exact conversation because she's teaching one of the largest developers here in Thailand all 400 of their sales staff and it's called origin properties you'll see them everywhere origin is everywhere and and we were going over uh, her next courses and she said you know um, so I was helping her design her curriculum for some of the on-site salespeople I said but remember this I said and it's whether you're selling real estate or selling enterprise software whatever it may be if you're selling some big ticketed item the biggest mistake that salespeople make is they don't ask enough open-ended questions customer comes in husband and wife says hey uh, my budget's half a million dollars I'm looking for a two-bedroom two-bath condo on the beach like okay great let me show you what we got they don't ask any questions and that's just typical and when I was telling them I went to the same I said the same exact thing I said I'm very different I come from a very consultative background I said I need to understand you and by understanding you I can put myself into your shoes that should be important to you when a consultant doesn't ask you enough questions they can't put themselves into your shoes because everyone's different this person with half a million dollars is different from this other couple with half a million dollars so I said be honest with me so we discussed their lifestyle which I'm very familiar with right? you know the typical anyone that lives uh, either inland from a beach city or way inland like like in Riverside County what do they do on the weekends they come down to the beach they go to Huntington they go to Newport uh, they go to Laguna uh, when they want to do staycations they maybe sometimes go up to South Bay or going to LA if they want to go you know hit the restaurants or hit some you know some great bars and like most Southern Californians they go to Vegas at least two times a year so I'm very familiar with their lifestyle I understand what they what they do and what their likes and dislikes are because most Californians are the same very very similar and then as we kind of get into you know their hobbies I mean, they like to golf um, they started playing pickleball uh, they obviously are very you know they love to go to the gym so you know having a fitness center or a good fitness center is very very important to them they love the beach like everyone else does uh, they just love laying out baking you know going to the wedge in Newport Beach and going surfing I guess he's pretty good I mean if, you, if you're not familiar with the wedge in Newport it's crazy big waves I mean I surf I mean my board was like this long like 12 footer or it's 11 five oh no it was longer than that it's 12 five and it was very buoyant very stable but the wedge that's that that's for you got to be a little more experienced so he's he's done it he surfs at the wedge when he can 
and they just love the beach life. They love going to Pageant and the Masters in Laguna Beach, going to the art shows in Laguna. So they love all that. And I said, okay, before I get into what I suggest as far as retirement, because based on what John says, you were actually thinking about maybe buying a second home or your future retirement home in Cabo, which I guess kind of makes sense for Californians, Southern Californians, because Cabo is such a huge draw to Southern Californians. But the sad thing is, I said, if you tasted what life is like here in Thailand, you would never, ever go back to Cabo. Never go back there. But the problem is, is that people just don't want to do that. People don't want to hop on a plane for a whole day. I said, so before I get into all that, you have a lot of debt. So just like most Californians, they upgrade their home, they upgrade their home, they upgrade their home. So for a couple that makes a high combined income, a high six-figure income or mid-six-figure income, they're still living paycheck to paycheck because they have an outrageous mortgage, outrageous mortgage. And they have not just two cars, they have four, four cars. Husband, wife has one and their kids each have one. Four car payments, none of them are paid off. Then in addition to that is they have the joy of paying for college when both their kids go to school. So that's another big giant expense. But luckily they're smart and they have 529 plans for each of the kids, which is good. They, have a four, they, ha they had a 401k, they rolled them into self-directed IRA. So they do have that. They have some equities and some couple brokerage accounts. But they have this half a million dollars net that they inherited. And I said this, I said, I'm gonna tell you something that no other broker or agent would ever dare to do. Have you ever considered using that half a million dollars and paying off as much debt in your house, in your primary residence? So like I said, they don't have anything else. That's their only investment. They don't have any other uh, rental homes or anything like that. I said, have you ever thought just applying that half a million dollars towards your primary resident? They're like, eh, we don't want to do that. I said, well, why not? Well, right now we, we can afford the payments, you know? I mean, yeah, we're, we're living paycheck to paycheck, but it's not quite that bad. I mean, we still have money left over but we can make the payments just like we can make the, you know, the rest of our payments for credit cards and, and other debt, like our car payments. I said, I said, uh, where were you guys in 2008, 2007, 2008 of the infamous crash? They said we were here. We were in California. And I said, how did you come out? 
we were destroyed. We over leveraged. Uh, we bought rental properties that were at the top of the market and they went to foreclosure. Our primary resident was going into foreclosure, but we're able to do a short sale. I, and, and again, it's just typical of many Californians. I said, you know, it's amazing, you know, as when, when I was a financial consultant at the bank to starting my own business, it's amazing how many people forget when things were tough. I said, just right now, just take a step back and think about how difficult your life was. Here you are. Top of the housing market and it crashed. Probably had tons of equity. Maybe had over a million dollars in equity. You know, going to Vegas, maybe at least once a quarter. Going to Europe, going everywhere, spending cash left and right because you're just doing cash out refis taking out the equity of these properties. I said, I know because I was there. Did the same exact thing except multiply that by 100 and that was my portfolio, not just in California, but throughout the United States. I said, I get it. I said, but the thing is, what differentiates between you and I is I never forgot the pain that I went through. You guys forgot the pain. So if I were your consultant, your financial consultant, which I'm not, but if I were, or for financial purposes, I will say, this is not financial advice, so just, you know, for anyone listening to this, but you have to understand that there is no crystal ball for the future. So if I were in their shoes, I would have used that half a million dollars to pay off my, they couldn't pay it off, they had more debt than half a million dollars, but at least pay a substantial amount, at least wipe out their second and still pay off a big chunk of their first. And I told them that. I said, at least your house payment is gonna dramatically go down Yes, you're, you guys are doing great. Your job's doing great. E- even during this tough time over the pandemic, you guys still came out on top, but you never know. That's why I'm telling you, no other broker, no other agent would ever say this, say this to you because they're just whoring for your business. And whether you're a friend of a friend or just someone off the street, I would be telling you the same exact thing. So... Obviously, you don't want to do that, but if it were me, that would be my first choice. And I really would like you to take it into consideration and discuss it more. Using a half a million dollars that you inherited and applying that, wiping out your, first, wiping out your, your second mortgage and a large part of your first. So if you want to do that, your other options are obviously buying the second home in Cabo. I said... And, and I gave them my background of Costa Rica and Latin America and all that stuff and told them the millions and millions of reasons why Latin America is going to shit and I would never ever buy anything there. From uh, geopolitics uh, to 
widespread violence and crime, migration, people leaving those areas. You just don't want to be there. I mean, the shit is already hitting the fan and it's only going to get worse in Latin America. And, and I'm talking all Latin America. I'm talking Central America. I'm talking South America. I'm talking about Mexico. I said, why be in a place knowing that everything is just falling out? It's, you're literally watching like a house that you see on the news, you know, after the monsoons in California, this multi-million dollar house sitting on a ledge in Laguna Beach or in Malibu that's right about to fall off the cliff due to land erosion. That to me is Latin America. First of all, they don't want you there. Second of all, is if you think life is good now, I can assure you, 10 years from now, it's gonna be severely different. Very, very different. When I was going to different parts of Latin America, I was going there as a kid, we we're going there fishing. It was great back then, 30 years ago, 20 years ago. But I've seen the change. I've seen how expensive it's gotten. I mean, Cabo is not cheap. I said for half a million dollars in Cabo, first of all, as you're well aware, you're never ever going to hold title to that property. It's a land lease. Whether it's like 80, 90, or 100 years, it's a land lease. I said, and who's to say, even though they say it's fully renewable for another 100 years, how do you know that? So when you pass away, there's maybe another 50 years left in a land lease and you pass it to your kids and they use it. Then all of a sudden, as the lease gets closer to expiration and they try to sell it because maybe the landowner says, we're not gonna renew that lease. That means that that property's value will significantly drop by 50 to 70 to 80%. Seen it all the time. Not just in Latin American countries, but other parts of the world where land leases, where people bought on land leases, and I, and I look at this apartment complex or look at this beautiful home or townhouse, like why the hell is it so freaking cheap? As you dig deeper, oh, there's only two years left in the lease and it's not, it's not gonna be renewed. No wonder, who the fuck is gonna buy that? I said, the idea of real estate is that it's tangible, it's almost future-proof, but it's always going to continue to slowly appreciate. But when you're buying into a lease, you take all that stuff out of consideration. What you put is a big question mark. I said, you love Cabo so much? Rent. There's plenty of places to rent or get a hotel. But there's no reason why you need to drop a half a million dollars into a glorified two-bedroom condo in Cabo. So as we talked about it, you know, they got quiet. Because I've seen it a million times, done it a million times, know exactly what they're going through. I just literally rained on their parade and crushed their dreams.
And I'm doing it because of experience. Because nobody is going to be this forward. Because they want the business. I said, okay, so Cabo's out of the question. Let's say you, you're, you're looking at Costa Rica or Belize. Costa Rica is a great place to be. Super stable government. Extremely high literacy rate. Beautiful country. But again, there's a reason why I moved out of there. Because it's boring. One of the great things about Mexico, and when you look at the, Mexico, the, the cities along the coast, whether it's Mazatlan, Cancun, Playas Mujeres, I mean, Cabo, all these places are huge. They're huge beach cities. Like you look at Cancun, that's a big freaking city. Mazatlan, it's a big city. But the problem with Costa Rica and even Belize, when you go to some of these beach cities, there's fucking nothing there. It's like this little shithole town. I know this. I attempted to live in these places. Even a place like Jaco, which is the biggest beach city in Costa Rica. There's still nothing there. Nothing. I speak to on-site salespeople that, that we've hired, that we've trained, and over years are like, I can't wait to get the fuck out of here. Because they just can't handle it. After about a year or two, there's nothing else to do. So, and again, they're very, very quiet. Because they've been to Costa Rica. They loved it. So, again, I, I just crushed their dreams. Not that I enjoy doing this, but nobody else is going to be straightforward and tell them. I said, well, let me paint a better picture. Let's, let's talk about some place where I do believe in, which is Thailand. I said, there's a reason why I'm here. There's a reason why I didn't buy a place in Fiji. There's a reason why I didn't buy anything in Australia, in the Gold Coast or in Auckland. I mean, look at Auckland right now. Auckland is one of my favorite cities. That's New Zealand, for those who don't know. But every single year, these rains are getting, and these floods are getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, right now, it's May 2023, and there's some serious flooding going on in Auckland. And Auckland's not cheap. It's freaking like expensive, like Newport Beach expensive. Same, same with the Gold Coast in Australia, in the East Coast. It, it's not cheap anymore. I mean, forget about Melbourne and Sydney. It's hell expensive. I said, there's a reason why I'm here in Thailand. Because I have searched everywhere. And I found everything that I needed here and then some. I said, if you were to come to Thailand, spend, let's just say, 30 days here, I'm almost assured, 100% certain, that you, it's not just you they are going to love it. Your kids are going to say, buy a place here. We love it too. Because Thailand has everything for everyone of all ages. I said, but, and again, the, the difference is, is that because I'm not whoring for your business, and obviously I didn't say whoring for their business, I was a little more tactful than that, 
but I didn't need, I didn't want their business. I didn't need their business. I'm not going to tell them to spend all half a million dollars on a home or condo here in Thailand. I said, instead, if I were in your shoes and this is what I would do. So married, two kids, going to be in college later, lots of debt. Not going to put this half a million dollars into primary resident. Instead, want to buy a second home in, in a country for future retirement. I wouldn't blow all half a million dollars in a place here in Thailand. And here are the reasons why. If you've been following what's happening in the financial world, in a macroeconomic world, there's a big giant question mark. The big giant question mark in the West is, is the US dollar going to continue to be reserve currency? Is the US dollar going to continue to devaluate? Is BRICS, the new currency that's created by Russia, China, Brazil, and some other countries, is that going to be the new reserve currency? What's that going to do to the dollar? And again, in the West, inflation. The Fed just increased another 25 basis points with no pause in sight because they feel that anything that the Fed says, always multiply that by 100. So the Fed says, we expect a minor recession. That means shit is going to fucking be really, really bad soon. <laughs> I said, it's, there's too much of a question mark out there. Just like you know what we lived through in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010. I said, think about that. When you, you, know, when you went through that, your, your rental properties going into foreclosure, being taken away from you, creditors coming after you, and then having to short sell your home, and I'm sure your credit was ruined. I said, not to say that's going to happen again, but there's a possibility. There are people like Peter Schiff, which is a big gold guy, believes that this run on banks is going to be worse than 2007-2008. I mean, back then, when you looked at you know, the fall of like Washington Mutual and other financial institutions, I mean, already just from Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic, it's just as big and growing. I said, if you're not aware, there are over a hundred regional banks in the United States that could become insolvent because they're over leveraged in debt and invested in a wrong type of investment. They're too aggressive, especially when it came down to commercial real estate. So now you're gonna trust the banks? No, that's why some people go into crypto. But the problem is that it's a huge question mark, not just what the world economy is doing, not just what the domestic economy is doing, but also your jobs. How do you know you're going to still have a job three years from now? Nobody expected a pandemic to happen. A lot of people lost their jobs. You guys were fortunate you didn't, but you just never know what's going to happen. So if I were in your shoes, I would utilize this half a million dollars 
and look at it as this is the last money I have in the world. I am never going to get any more. This is the last half a million. So everything that you have in the States, keep it intact. Just business as usual. Work, pay your mortgage, pay your bills. When you can, put some stuff away in your IRA. When you feel the market has bottom, buy some more Google, buy some more Microsoft, buy some more Apple. I like Tesla too. And then if you even have more time, study crypto. I said, just keep everything as is. But this half million dollars, I would buy one home in Thailand and keep the rest in cash for a rainy day. Because first of all, Thai banks are secure. We don't, we're not having, there's no run on banks like what's happening in the United States. It's secure, it's safe. So out of that half million dollars, I would spend $300,000 on one great property. And obviously, because you guys love the beach, like I do, I love the beach too, I would buy it in a beach city. But also because you have kids, and maybe by the time you retire, they're, they're going to be in college, but they're going to want to come visit you. Or, or maybe fly with you to Thailand. I wouldn't buy a condo. I would buy a house. $300,000 would buy you a house that's three to four bedrooms with a pool that's 10, 15, 20 minute drive to the beach. And driving in, Thailand, in these beach cities in Thailand, like Hua Hin, Cha'am, piece of cake. Nothing intimidating about it, not like driving to Bangkok. And then that $200,000 in cash, put that away here. So now you have a backup. So now, should 2007, 2008 repeat itself, you lose your job, you lose your homes, you lose your cars. But thank God you had the 529 plan, so your kids' college are going to be paid for. But pretty much lost everything. Who the fuck wants to start all over again? Obviously, I didn't say that. It's more tactful. So nobody wants to start all over again. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress to go through. But because you set up this another life here in Thailand with a home that's already paid for, free and clear, with $200,000 set aside, that's more than enough money to last, if your whole family came and live with you, at least 10, 15 years. At least 10 or 15 years. And then obviously I, I went over those magic numbers. I said, you know, the magic number, which is easy, is if in your mid-50s, it's roughly about $300,000 per person after you paid off your house and your cars and all that stuff. It's about $300,000 per person to retire here in Thailand that would provide you with a luxury lifestyle. So they were, so, and again, they were quiet but you can feel the mood. You ever like, you know, when you, when you talk to enough people on a phone or on a conference call or on a video call, you learn to realize signals. When 
it's an uncomfortable quiet or it's an excitement quiet where they have a million fucking questions they want to ask you. They're like, holy shit. What about this? What about that? What about this? Which is what happened. Got them excited again because I crushed their dream of Cabo, crushed their dream of any other place in Latin America, and now open to this doors of this brand new thing called Thailand. So now they have just these millions of questions. And the typical ones are, so can a foreigner own real estate here? Um, you know, what are their visa requirements? And just, you know, just operational stuff. So obviously I'm not gonna bore you guys with that because you guys have heard it enough times. But I'm giving you this story, this scenario, because it relates to many of you, to a vast majority of you listening to this that are not my clients. I put these podcasts together primarily for my clients. You know, what was very interesting. I was talking to another friend of mine, very, very, he was one of my best friends. And let's call him Jim. And, and I was telling him what he was, he was saying. He's like, you know, I miss doing podcasts. And he had great podcasts and he was doing mastermind groups, just a great trainer, just a great motivator for people. He's like, I miss doing podcasts. And he's like, how are yours doing? I said, you know, I don't spend a lot of time with them, but just on Spotify alone, because they send me annually, uh, I always look at my analytics, but annually they kind of send me my annual statistics. I said every year it's increasing exponentially by I think last year grew by over a thousand percent. It's like really? I said yeah. I said, but really, when it comes down to, I don't have a lot of list. I don't have millions and millions of listeners. I don't even have hundreds of thousands of listeners. I said, I don't. He's like, you must get a lot of business from your podcast. I said, I don't. Many people will use podcasts and videos to lure to entice client, future potential clientele. I don't do that. My podcasts are intended of clientele because my business is 100% referral to educate my clientele. Basically to close the deal. He's like, oh, I never thought about it that way. I said, yes, because if you're looking for something, some, something that's very complicated, because basically what I do is estate planning for very affluent individuals, you know, there are a million questions that you have after our, each initial consultation. So what's a better way to help them get edu- to help educate them, to help ramp them up, is I do these podcasts to educate them. So over time, they're either gonna love me or they're gonna say, hey, I'm not a good fit. Most of the time they love me and they say, yes, we wanna move forward. So a typical client, I would have maybe three to four conference calls with them. They'll listen to my podcast, and within six months to maybe a year, like, okay, we're ready to move forward. Because my podcast has shown them that I know what I'm talking about. I'm not just some schmuck. I know what I'm talking about. So just like this couple... I do know what I'm talking about. I've helped clients like this back in my days in Costa Rica. 
I've talked to many, many people in the same scenario. So whether you're a person that has a half million dollars, even $250,000 lying around, you inherited, maybe you got lucky on a, on a scratch ticket, and you won 250000 you won, you netted after taxes $250,000. That's roughly maybe winning like about 400000 My first advice to you, use that money, pay off your house. Can't pay off a house, at least get rid of your second mortgage and pay off as much as you can your first. That's the first thing you should do. And better yet, if you have even more money left over, pay off all your other debt. And hopefully you'll learn your lesson of the crew more debt. That means pay off all your cars, pay off your credit card bills, pay it all off. That's my first advice to everyone. I don't care how poor or how rich you are. And again, I've been doing this for so long where I've seen rich people that are worth millions and millions of dollars when they buy not just one home, but many, many homes, and they all hold a mortgage where they can easily pay that off. And they refuse to because they think of opportunity costs. They never, ever think about a rainy day. They never, ever think that their revenue stream is going to dry up. You never know what's going to happen. A good example is, God, that actor, I forgot what his name is. He's a really big up-and-coming actor. He was in Creed 3, and he was in Ant-Man Wasp Quantumania, whatever, Ant-Man Wasp 3. And he was in that other show called Lovecraft. Really good actor. Up and coming. I mean, the guy was just exploding. All of a sudden, his, he beat up his girlfriend, and now Hollywood has black, blacklisted him. Even if it turns out, if he's not guilty of those crimes, he's already done. He's done. They're already talking about replacing his character in Marvel. So that's why I'm saying is you never, ever know. You know, you can, you can have $25 million in cash, but you have $25 million in debt. But every single month, you're making maybe half a million or a million dollars a month. So you think that that money's going to keep coming, so you keep spending, keep accruing more debt. But I'm telling you, all you're doing is setting yourself up that when things get tough and that well runs dry, you're done for. Done. And the richer you are, the harder you fall, the harder it is to get back to where you were. That's why I see so many has-beens. Many, many has-beens. They just got crushed. They can never come back. So in this scenario, I gave you, you know, what I would suggest for half a million dollars. But even for $250,000, $200,000, if you feel that you want to buy a second home for a future retirement, do that. But make sure you're picking the right place for the right reasons. You know, for $250,000, what I would do here in Thailand, 
I would use $150,000, that's about five million buy, and I would buy a house, whether it's in Bangkok or the Beach City, or buy a two-bedroom condo. You know, these aren't gonna be new homes, not in the best locations, but this $150,000 condo would be three times more in the States. Same with the house. You know, that scenario that I gave you, uh, you know, for $300,000, when I was talking about this couple, put away $300,000 or $300,000 by, by this uh, beachfront condo or buy a house instead of a beachfront condo because they need the space with the kids. That same house in Huntington Beach would be a million, a million and a half, maybe more. So your money really does go further here. And if you think you just don't have enough, you do. Yeah, $150,000 that can buy you a nice three-bedroom house. Yeah, you're going to be close to everything. You still have to get in a car and drive. But for $150,000, if you want to be in, a, in a central Bangkok, that can buy you a great one-bedroom. Same equivalent to being in New York of a, of a one-bedroom condo that costs $700,000. So that's why one thing's great about Thailand, what people don't realize, is because there's such an oversupply of medium and you know, mid-market and lower uh, market homes. There's an excess supply, folks. When it comes down to like ultra-luxury, there's just not enough to be built. There's just not enough. Because people, Chinese, they're just scooping it up. Even local Thai, just scooping it up. I mean, there was a new development, uh, single-family detached homes. These are mansions. Only 11 homes in this community, starting at $2 million to $4 million, all sold out. All Thais. People are rich here. But when you're looking at mid-market, and lower market, there is so much inventory here. And what's great about that is, that means that anybody can afford a home, even local ties. We're in America, and I'm sure other Western countries, the idea of home ownership, that's gone bye-bye. I remember another conversation I had, uh, this is a while back with another individual and again, it didn't meet my threshold, but it was a friend of a friend. So I uh, took the time just to talk to him. Uh, it was just him, but he's, he was married. And the situation was, okay, they're from the Midwest. They moved to the East Coast to make more money. They moved there for the opportunities. But because of careless spending and too much debt, they're not going to be retired in a place that they love. Same, this same scenario happens, same exact thing the other way. Midwestern people, Midwestern couple goes to California for new opportunities, kills it, but gets into the lifestyle, gets into culture, gets over leveraged, buys too much home, buys too much everything. So now when it comes down to retirement, they don't have enough. 
And what's the answer? Going back to the Midwestern town that they just couldn't leave fast enough. They have to go back there. Who the fuck wants to go back there? Not them. So if you're in that same exact scenario where you move from some shitty town to a, another area like an East Coast or West Coast because of opportunities, but just through mismanagement of finances, okay, it's done. Nobody's pondering about it. But moving back to that crummy town doesn't have to be your only option. Thailand is the better option. You know, people that don't grow up in snow have a fascination with snow. I'm one of them. You know, being born in Taiwan in Taipei, Taiwan, uh, when the you know went to the states, the first thing we want to see was snow. My wife is the same. You know, she, you know, when we came to the states, she she wanted to go see snow. And what the funny thing is, is I tell most foreigners who don't live in snow, is the only good thing about snow is skiing and snowboarding, recreational sports. But other than that. Living in a city where snows every single year sucks. It's horrible. You, nobody would tell you this unless you go there and speak to the locals. They will all tell you how shitty it is. People from Chicago, people from New York, people from Michigan. I have a bunch of friends that made a shitload of money and they moved the fuck out of Michigan and went down to Florida. Because I would rather be in a tropical paradise where it's nice and warm, you know, 365 days a year, as opposed to frigid, cold weather. Weather. And then, that's not enough. You got tornadoes now, and then you have severe rains and flooding. So it just gets worse and worse. But you have a better option. For what you may think is just that little bit of money, take the leap and come here to Thailand because you'll be a homeowner again. And I don't know if you've ever felt it before, but being a homeowner, knowing that your home is free and clear, you have no debt on it, is one of the truly, one of the best feelings you can have as an adult. It feels like a, a complete sense of accomplishment. And this peace of mind that every morning when you wake up, you don't have to worry about that. And that's the biggest mistake that so many retirees do is waking up every single morning having to pay bills, especially their mortgage. Where expats here, they wake up every morning knowing that their homes are paid for, and all they do is, so, should I get a massage today, or should I go to the beach, should I go golfing, just sit around and do nothing, or maybe I go to some new restaurants, because there's so many other great things to do than having to worry about your finances. That's freedom, folks. You know, I, I did an episode about the definition of wealth. 
what is being wealthy? What is the idea of being rich? The idea of being rich and wealthy is having enough money where you have more choices. And I'll say this again, as I said in that episode, in Thailand, it allows you to have more choices. Whether you are a multimillionaire in the United States, you come here, you have more choices, folks. If you think you got it good where you live, come here. It's much better. If you're middle class, upper middle class in the United States, and you want to know what it feels like to live a life of luxury, you come here, you'll know exactly what it's like. You know, one of the worst things for human beings is solitude and not feeling important. That's how insecure, that's how frail human beings are. It's like we have to feel important. Obviously, that's why social media like TikTok and so forth is, is just out of control. So if you're living in the United States, unless you're some gazillionaire, you're a fucking nobody like me. I'm a nobody. Yeah, I was on TV for, you know, eight years. Who the fuck cares? I'm still a fucking nobody. But here, I am somebody. Because knowing that I'm Taiwanese, Japanese, American, I have automatic credibility. Just like you, as an American, as an Aussie, as a Brit, you come here, you get automatic credibility until you fuck that up. Hopefully you don't. So isn't that nice to come to a country where people are automatically going to respect you? makes you feel important. And when you feel important, you feel good. That's what makes Thailand great. That's what people don't talk about in other podcasts or videos. They talk about how beautiful, you know, the southern beaches are and the islands. Who the fuck cares? I mean, shit, you can go to the Philippines, it's just as gorgeous. Actually, not. I would say southern Thailand is more gorgeous. But still, Philippines, islands, Boracay, yeah, gorgeous. But the difference is, in Thailand, you feel important here. You don't feel like you're going to get it ripped off. It's a thriving economy. When you look at the locals, everyone's thriving, everyone's happy. Take a look at your backyard. This weekend, when you go to Costco, which I know you're going to do, <laughs> when you go to Costco, go to Albertsons, whatever, take the time and just look at people. You will see just how effing miserable Americans are. Why do you think there's so much road rage and so much anger? Because people are miserable. They're miserable because they hate their jobs, because it's not paying them enough, because they can't afford a home, they have to rent, and they're so freaking pissed off that when the time has come that they saved enough money for a down payment, the homes have already shot up 25%. This actually happened to uh, one of my mom's friend's kids 
in Las Vegas. Same scenario. He was just bitching. Works casino, makes a low six-figure income, low six-figure income. Like a hundred and makes over a hundred grand. Being a dealer, that's pretty good money. Over time, saved enough money for a deposit. But then realizing now, the home that he wanted, he doesn't have enough money. He's pissed off because the home they can now afford is a home that they don't want. It's smaller. So that's why people are so pissed off in places like the United States because everything has diminished their life. Where here in Thailand, you're just adding to your life. You're adding more happiness. You're adding the, the environment that is going to look at you at a different way. Unless you're in places like Pattaya, Pattaya or, or Phuket where they look at you because they're trying to scam you, like Mexico. But if you're in a place like Bangkok or Hua Hin Chaam, the locals will look at you and respect you. As long as you respect the culture and you respect the people, you will have an amazing life here in Thailand. So thank you so much for joining me and hope to see you soon.